Would you turn in your Bible to Ephesians, the sixth chapter? Ephesians chapter 6. We were speaking this morning on the family, on the rocks, or on the rock. The family, on the rocks, or on the rock. On another Sunday, I may bring you some statistics that relate to the problems that we face as families today. But that was not my plan today. I wanted to just give you some things that the Bible teaches about our families. You realize that on this day when people are getting married, one out of every three marriages ends in a divorce. A lot of troubles come to people. And hindsight is always better than foresight. A lot of people have this wreck or collision in their lives because they never thought it through in advance. Never thought, what does the Bible teach about it? Or what are the dangers along the highways of life? And this morning I tried to give you the principles that would defy the rocks. And I had to stop right in the middle of telling you about the enemies that lead to the rocks. And I didn't get to say anything about the commands that guarantee the rock, capital R-O-C-K. Tonight I want to lay on our hearts some of this, but in addition to that, the, the question, what do we do when trouble comes? What do we do when trouble comes? Trouble is coming. If it hasn't come to you, it's on its way. Nobody is exempt from trouble. And I ask the people in training tonight to help me preach tonight and write out some of the things that they feel they have experienced or they have seen in the lives of others. Just trouble areas that cause severe trouble and problems. And so I want to deal with that tonight as we study the Word of God together. May we pray. Our Father, we thank Thee for all that has gone in to build a mighty day for God at this church. We thank Thee for those who have sung in special music and our choir that reminded us Jesus never leaves, never even for a moment. And the youth chorale that told us Jesus is a friend and we want to be a friend to Him. Brother Robert, who reminded us a while ago, a lot of troubles come and we don't understand them, but further along we'll know all about it. Now, Father, I ask you tonight to touch every one of our hearts, give us openness to Jesus. May the Holy Spirit do His work and draw people to Christ. We humble ourselves in your presence. We ask for the continued rekindling of the fires of God in our soul. And may those who are in this place tonight who are not sure they'd go to heaven if they died right now, may they come to know Christ tonight and to know that wonderful joy. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Now, I want to read tonight from Ephesians chapter 6, beginning with verse 10. We read much of chapter 5 this morning, and we begin in chapter 6, verse 10. I hope you have your Bible with you. If you have your Bible, please open it up. How many of you have a Bible with you? Lift it up. Lift your Bibles up. All right. Now, always bring your Bible to the house of God with you when you come. And uh, if you don't have a whole Bible, bring a little testament, and uh, let's study the Word together. Ephesians is on page 1278 in my Bible. And if you have the right kind of Bible, I guess it's on that page in your Bible. However, we all have different editions, and so yours may be a different page number. But turn to Ephesians 6, beginning with verse 10. And again tonight, I want to ask you to help me read it. So let's stand as we read from the Word of God. We'll read it responsively, beginning in verse 10, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, and we'll read through verse 20. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Stand therefore, having your loins girded about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, Above all, taking the shield of faith with which ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that in this I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Would you be seated, please? We're speaking this morning about the family, and I want to continue that and expand it a little bit to include the question, what do we do when trouble comes in all of our lives? And I was mentioning some enemies that lead to the rocks. Some enemies of the home that lead to the rocks. Among them, a playboy philosophy that says, do whatever you want to do. If it feels good, do it. And that promotes lust, luxury, and liquor. And none of us is exempt from the temptation of that. And we need to recognize that lust is not love. Lust is an unbridled desire in your heart for that which is illicit and illegal and wrong. And a lot of marriages are built on lust. And naturally, if you build something on that, it's going to go down to the rocks. You try it a little while, and because that lust is only skin deep when it becomes normal to you, and you have all you want of it, you don't want it anymore. You want somebody else. And none of us is exempt from the desire for luxury. 
Gibbons in his book, The Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire, said there were three big reasons for the fall of the Roman Empire. Lust, luxury, and liquor. He said that among many other things. We live in a day of affluence. I remember the day when there was not a television in the home. I guess that dates me. Back before World War II, people didn't have televisions. You had a little old radio that's sort of a, that kind of shaped radio, I don't know what you call it, and you'd turn it on, everybody'd get around, and they'd listen to Mr. District Attorney. And uh, they'd hear gangbusters, and they'd hear hi-ho silver away. And we'd get all excited, and we'd sit there and listen, could hardly wait for it to come on the next night. That's what we'd listen to. But nobody watched television. And usually, if, we, if, if those programs would come on as a luxury in the home, you'd have to get all your chores done, and then you could sit around the family radio and listen. You say, boy, you're way antedated. Well, that's right. But I want to tell you, with the, with the invasion of television into our homes, there has come a whole glamorous Hollywood desire, uh, sort of a set of standards that says this is the way it must be done. And they sort of teach by precept and example that the way to build a home is on lust. And here's this guy, he doesn't like his wife and so he goes out and cheats on her and she doesn't like him and she goes out and cheats on him and here you have all kinds of triangles developing and you sit there and watch on television <laughs> You can hardly wait, and pretty soon you put it into action in your life. Now, that's an enemy of the home. And if you want to have it in your home, I just want to warn you, it's an enemy. It bites like a serpent. The E-R-E-R-A philosophy in which uh, women try to become men, men try to become women. We have a unisex kind of society and uh, we have all that going on. Uh, that's sort of a, uh, an enemy of the home. God had certain roles for men to play and certain roles for women to play. And when you try to swap these around and you, uh, uh, the women try to be like men, the men like women and so on, you have problems. That's an enemy of the home. The gay rights philosophy that says, if I want to have this kind of lifestyle, I'll just have it. That's just a, a, an optional lifestyle. After all, if you want to be heterosexual, I'll be homosexual. I'll just I'll do whatever I want to do. God says that's sin. I don't know where we're aware of it or not, but the Bible says that is a gross sin. And it stinks to high heaven. God says it is wrong. No family altar in the home. Another enemy of the home. When, you, when a couple get together and read the Bible together and pray together, someone said a, a couple, a family that prays together stays together. Enemies of the home when the Bible lies on the shelf. There used to be a country song that say, dust on the Bible, dust on the Holy Word. Well, I'm not getting the tune right, but that's what they'd say. And they'd say, what a shame to have dust on the Bible. But do you know that most homes are like that? Almost everybody has a Bible, but they have dust on it because they don't open it. They don't read it. It becomes like a good luck charm on a coffee table in somebody's house. The Bible isn't going to do you any good at all unless you open it and read it and heed it and listen to it. 
lack of male leadership in the home. Do you know the Bible says that the man is the leader of the home, he is the director of the home. It doesn't mean he's the tyrant, doesn't mean he's the big boss, but he's the, he's the director of the home. And one of the reasons that many homes do not have, have a man leading in the home is because the men will not accept that responsibility. And they thrust it over on the ladies. The ladies have to make the decisions. The ladies have to do all the things and so on. But God planned that man would be the leader in the home. And when that's not true, there are enemies. There's a problem that comes. The enemies that lead to the rocks are multitude. And a man and a woman who want a home on the rock have to work at it. If you want a home that will endure 30, 40, 50, 60 years, you have to work at it. I read an article that just this last week of a couple that had been married 79 years. Both of them were 96 years old. They were still going strong. Still had their own home. Still took care of their own place. Married 76 years. And somebody said, How, what is the secret of your 76 years together? And they both said, good manners and good humor. So we laugh at the things that are funny, even at ourselves. And we try to treat each other as something holy. When a man treats his wife as something holy, and when a woman treats her husband as something holy, you say, my husband's not holy. My wife's not holy. Don't push that stuff over on me, preacher. I'm just telling you, if you treat your husband as something holy, and you treat your wife as something holy, you're liable to head for 76 years of good marriage together. But if you start taking your wife or your husband for granted, you take, and children take mom and dad for granted, and they're never taught to say thank you, never taught to say please, never taught to say yes sir and no sir, they come and say yeah, no, yeah, no, and mom and dad never do anything about it. You know, we have a generation that have grown up like that. And they don't know that they're supposed to say yes, sir, and no, sir, and yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. And so if you didn't know it before, I want to tell you tonight, that's what you need to do. I wish you, I'd like to encourage every mom and dad here tonight to urge your parents, your kids, rather, and impress upon them the importance of saying yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and yes, sir, and no, sir. And I want to tell you, it'll do something to those kids. It'll bless them. Now, you may have a tough time if you haven't taught them already, but it'll bless them because they'll learn to respect people that are older. And you'll never find them calling the policemen pigs. They'll respect them. Yes, sir. No, sir. Now, policemen are not always right. Moms and dads are not always right. The authority is not always right. But it always needs to be respected. And it's an enemy of the home when moms and dads let their kids have just do any old thing or speak any old way. Need to say yes sir, no sir, no ma'am, yes ma'am. Now there are enemies of the home. And I want to talk for a few moments about what are you going to do when the troubles come. There are a lot of troubles that come into homes. 
There are troubles that come into individual lives. And in training tonight, I asked some of the folks to, to just share with me some of the things that they, they've experienced either in their own lives or in the lives of others that, are, that cause trouble, that are problems. And uh, here are some of them. A tragic, untimely death. The loss of a job. A spouse unfaithful. A sickness. A lost loved one. Terrible loneliness in my life. Disappointment in self and loved ones. The loss of one's security of faith. A dis despair and depression that comes into life. The loss of a close, close loved one. Unrecognized hypocrisy. The fear of man. A child running away. The loss of a husband, abuse from family members, broken homes, suicide, the death of a loved one, defeat through everyday life and trials and jobs and sicknesses, family life conflicts, a son leaving for the war zone, not having the money to pay my bills, a long, desert, a long sickness, deserted by loved ones, problems of young people, older folks, uncared for, rebellious child, divorce, drug and abuse, drug and alcohol abuse, financial difficulties, the breakdown in communication, Christians failing to be a true friend in the church with each other, home trouble, depression, getting hurt on the job, with no insurance and no way to handle the money, trouble with the children, home burning down, out of work, losing your loved ones, losing the home to a fire with no insurance, extended hospital stay with no insurance, unfaithfulness in marriage, loss of loved ones through death, loneliness, the lack of love, a wife wanted to come to church and be faithful in God's house, but the husband doesn't want to do it. Children not willing to obey. And I could go on. I'd have, I haven't been able to read all of them because of the lack of time tonight. But those are some problems that come. And Robert Coates sang while ago, tempted and tried, we're off made to wonder. Why it should be thus all the day long. While there are others living about us, never molested, though in the wrong. And I want to tell you, trouble is coming. And trouble sometimes is an enemy to the home. Sometimes trouble can draw you closer together. In recent weeks, we had one of the men who's the husband of a lady that's a member of our church get very sick. They didn't know anything about what was wrong with him. He just didn't feel good. Finally, they discovered that he had a malignancy. That family that had been sort of scattered around closed in the ranks. And they got close to him and close to each other. That husband was not a Christian. But God began to deal in his heart. And as we prayed together and often visited him. And the family members talked with him and pressed upon him their love. Not disdain. Not pressuring him. But just loving him. It was not so long until that dear man that we'd prayed for for years opened his heart to Jesus. 
That didn't stop the malignancy. He went on and down into the valley, but that family grew closer and closer and closer and closer. And it brought him closer to the Lord. Sometimes trouble is a friend. Sometimes it can bring us closer to God. Sometimes, depending on how we react to it, it can drive us away. What do you do when the trouble comes? And it's coming. What do you do when unfaithfulness comes? I want to ask you, we're talking about families today. We had two young people stand here this morning and we went through the marriage vows and they said, I take thee for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish until God by death shall separate us. And how many people lie when they say their marriage vows? They don't mean that. Somebody has a little problem in their home. Now listen, I'm not excusing sin. I'm not excusing sin. But did you know that the scripture does not say that because there's an infidelity or somebody is unfaithful in the home that you should get a divorce? Scripture doesn't say that. The scripture says with the, with the inference, the inference is to err is human but to forgive is divine. And there are examples in the Bible of men and women who have had infidelity in their lives and somehow God has been able to bring them back together and that bird with a broken pinion has been able to go on and be somebody for God. You don't have to throw in the towel and quit on your marriage partner because of some sin. You don't have to do it. Now the Bible gives you the right for divorce in Matthew chapter 19, Matthew chapter 5, the, Matthew, the Bible gives you a right for divorce if, you're, if your partner is unfaithful. But lots of people have been looking for that right. They've been just sitting there waiting, waiting, waiting. <laughs> I told you, I knew it all along. And the reason they knew it all along is because they were suspicious. And one of the reasons that people cheat and go outside the home is because a woman withdraws herself from her husband or a husband withdraws himself from his wife. And the Bible says, defraud not one another. Defraud not one another. And when you do that, you're putting a stamp, you're putting a stumbling block in the way. How many women who love God with all their heart have failed to understand that? And they get all mixed up on sex ideas and they withdraw themselves and they won't be the partner to their husband that they need to be and pretty soon their husband because he doesn't have spiritual strength and doesn't have depth of character he cheats and she stands back and says well I'm not going to ever live with him again and kicks him out and how often have men done the same thing they've gotten all busy have not been the partner they ought to have been at home and their wife feels like she's not loved and not cared about and because of lack of spiritual character because of lack of spiritual concern somehow somebody comes along maybe one of these coffee breaks at the factory and that's for the from the devil of hell I want to tell you 
I've preached to you before about it. Somebody says, well, I don't like the way you preach. I'll go somewhere else. I'll go down the street to another preacher. That's all right. Go ahead. Some people that do that. Not everybody gets happy in the church. You know, I want to tell you, if you're not happy in the church that you're in, you ought not to be in it. If you don't like what's going on, you ought to go somewhere else. If you do like it, get in and give it all you've got. Become spiritually involved and give it all you have and be positive in your approaches to things. And so over these coffee breaks, some woman tells all her family problems and some man sits there and drinks it all in and then says, well, we need to talk again. And they get together another day and they talk again, they talk again, and pretty soon that woman is led right into a snare and she's unfaithful to her husband. And some old husband over there got tired of his marriage vows anyway. He's just waiting for that. He says, ha, 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 boy, I'll never live with her again. He kicks her out. I want to tell you, God doesn't say that's necessary. He gives you a right for divorce, but he doesn't say you have to do it. And there are a lot of marriages that could be saved if there would be a reconciliation in talking together about the heartaches and the hurts of the home. One of the enemies of the home is defrauding one another in the home relationship. What do you do when trouble comes? What do you do when a, a member of your, in your home has serious illness, can't get well? What do you do when you don't have the finances to pay your bills? Anybody in this room ever have a problem like that? You don't have all the money you need. You give up in despair. You just say, well, I'm going to quit. I don't know what to do about this. What do you do when trouble comes? Well, I'm going to give you some suggestions right from the Bible. Look in verse, chapter 6, verse 10, 11, and 12. Finally, we're in Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The first thing that I would say to you when trouble comes, recognize the enemy. Recognize where the trouble's coming from. You see, your enemy is not your partner. Your enemy, kids, is not your mom or dad. Your enemy is not your husband or wife. Your enemy is the devil. And the devil's a terrible enemy. He hates every happy home. He hates every obedient child. Every time he hears somebody say, yes, sir, and no, sir, the devil trembles and he hates that because that's showing respect. The devil is a rebeller. He's a rebel. His heart is a rebel. He always has been. And he tries to invade our lives and make us rebels. Sometimes if he can't do it any other way, he does it in a very subtle way. And he sort of moves in and offends your pride. And so we have husband and wife mad at each other, storming about each other in the home because their pride has been offended. We have kids that are all upset because mom said you can't do this or dad said you can't do this. 
Or they, don't, they, they care about who you sit with. They care about where you go. They want to know what time you're coming in. You say, well, my, my, that's just like a prison, isn't it? You ever feel that way? Well, I'm going to tell you, the devil makes you feel that way. The devil is a rebel. Billy Graham put out a film some years ago called The Heart is a Rebel. Because the Bible says the heart is des desperately wicked, deceitful above all things. Who can know it? And if we're going to deal with trouble when it comes, we're going to have to recognize where the enemy is. I won't tell you it's hard. I talked to you this morning about alcohol. Now, listen to me, please. For with all my heart, I want to just plead with you. I love you. But no home is large enough for alcohol. It just didn't. It's just not big enough. And anybody that, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day about smoking. And I mentioned that I think smoking and cigarettes are, a, are a evidence of sin in a young person's life. They get on it in a rebellion. They know God says your body, your body is a temple, the Holy Spirit. And they get on it that way. But then after they're on it, they have a habit with it, like drugs and alcohol, and they get sick with it. And they keep on puffing away at it and puffing it away until I have to go. <coughs> and they die of lung cancer. It's a self-induced problem. So is liquor. You started it somewhere along the line. You started drugs somewhere along the line. You don't have to do it. Nobody made you. And if anybody poured liquor down you or pushed drugs on you, you had the freedom of will after you got off that first kick to get rid of it. Nobody made you a captive of that stuff except yourself and the devil. And I want to tell you, that's an enemy. At the last, it bites like a serpent and stings like an adder. What do you do about it? Recognize it from the devil. A lot of times we, we say, well, I don't know, I just got this habit. And I, you know, we pet our habit a little bit, pamper it, go buy some more stuff and put it in our pockets and put it in the bottle, put it in the refrigerator and put it wherever we want to put it and go get it when we need it and so on. And God says that's the devil. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's Satan dealing with you. And the only way to overcome the devil is to get Jesus to resist him. You're not strong enough, and I'm not strong enough, and we have to say, Lord Jesus, you go to the door, and you deal with the devil. I'm not strong enough. And when you let the Lord help you with that, he'll help you. Every enemy of the home and all the problems that come the trouble that comes. Now, I'm, you know, naturally people are going to get sick. Naturally people are going to die. We're standing right here tonight. We're sitting in the presence of somebody that's going to be dead in just a few days. We have no guarantee that we'll all be rearranged here again next Sunday night just like this. We may meet in the funeral home in honor of somebody that's here tonight before the week's over. We don't know how long we're going to live. And I'm not trying to say to you that, 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 that death 
or the loved one is the invasion of the devil. Although the Bible says that death is an enemy, God did not make us to die. Originally, he made us to live. And death came because of sin. The whole race has passed under the awful blight of sin. One day that'll be removed and we'll never die again. That's what heaven's going to be like, see? We'll never die again. And if you're without Jesus Christ and you head into what we call physical death, did you know what's going to happen to you spiritually? You're going to die forever spiritually. You're not going to live forever. You're going to die forever. Never quite being dead, but you'll die forever in a terrible place Jesus called hell. The devil is your enemy. And he's the one that causes the heartache and the heartbreak and the burdens and the problems in your life. Recognize the devil. What are you going to do when trouble comes? Recognize where it comes from, the enemy. Secondly, look in verse 13 and 14. In verses 13 and 14, I want you to notice, realize the resources that are available to you. And let me read it. 13, I'm going to read through 17. Wherefore take unto you because, because the devil is out to get you. Not to hurt you. He's out to trip you. He's out to track you. He's out to make you hung on drugs. Out on, to make you hung on, strung out on liquors. Make you out to try to crush your home. He's out to try to get you filled with lust. He's out to try to get you just edgy and contentious and hard to live with. What are you going to do about it? Realize the resources. Verse 13, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand there for having your loins girt about with truth. The belt of truth. These is, this is a description of the Roman soldier and the armament he had. The belt of truth from which his sword hung and which gave him freedom. He knows the truth of movement. Therefore, he moves freely and quickly. You see, when we have truth, in our favor, we don't have to tell lies. We don't have to cover anything with a lie. Girded about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness. Words are no defense against accusations, but a good life is a defense against accusations. When somebody accuses you of something that's not true, put on the breastplate of righteousness and keep on going. Don't take time out to try to defend yourself from it. Just go right on. Moving on, and the Lord will fight your battles. He'll take care of it all. Thirdly, verse 15, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In the Roman, the Roman soldier wore sandals. It was a sign of one equipped and ready to move. It was ready to, he was ready to do what he needed to do. He was all ready. And our feet need to be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Believers in Jesus Christ need to have our feet ready to swift, move swift and beautifully for God. What are you going to do when trouble comes? Look at your feet. You say, well, my feet aren't very pretty. I've got ingrown toenails and bunions and corns and so on. You know what will make your feet beautiful? Bathe them in the whole oil of the Holy Spirit. And just ask God that. Take your feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. And get going for God. Go down the trail for God. Get going. Work for Him. Serve Him. And the Lord will bless you. And then, 
he says verse 16 take the shield of faith with which ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked the shield of faith was a great the shield that the Roman soldier used was a, was a great oblong shield with heavily guarded armament and the shield was made of two pieces of wood two sections of wood glued together and the fiery dart was tipped with a toe dipped in pitch this was set afire and it would be set toward that shield but the word the, the pitch would put that dart out now you and I if we're going to overcome all the troubles that come to us we need to wear the shield of faith faith is the victory that overcomes the world and when you have that shield of faith on all the fiery darts of the wicked one that try to get at you from the front and always face the battle never run from it. always face it and all those fiery darts will get into this little wedge of faith and faith will kick them off they'll just be they're all gone because faith is the victory that overcomes the world. That sure is the way to handle depression. There's probably not one person in this room who is 13 or 14 years of age and over who has not faced some battles with depression. What do you do with it? Sometimes you go feel like going home pulling, pulling down all the shades and closing the door and bolting it and pulling the covers up over your head and hiding. I didn't go to do any good. The troubles are still there. What we need is to get on our knees. Say, Jesus, I got a lot of troubles. I want to ask you to fill me with faith. Encamped along the hills of light, ye Christian soldiers rise and press the battle ere the night shall veil the glowing skies. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Take the helmet of salvation, which is the helmet over that most important part of your life, the helmet of salvation that keeps your brain secure. Listen to this. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusted in thee. When the devil is able to get into our minds, all kinds of things are hatched up. That's the reason it's dangerous to read lewd magazines. You know, I recognize, uh, I recognize that we're living in, in, in an age when, when people can get those magazines anywhere you want to get them. You can go to these minute marks and drug stores under the, under, the, under the counter and stuff like that. And you can get all kinds of filthy, trashy, lewd magazines. You can do that. You say, preacher, uh, don't talk about that. I, I, wanna, I enjoy doing that. Or... Or preacher, don't accuse me of that. I went to the hospital some time ago, <laughs> and uh, I, I knocked on the door, and as I knocked.